Chira said we send him a cobella, Baba Lola Paka, Pio, no, no, technical producer Mark Prelem, senior producer of Rambo Food, chief producer of Woods, the Cotton, our executive producer of Rumuloko City from us. Thanks for all your SMSs, tweets, Facebook responses, and your calls. Uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Up next, market update. Good night. Have a great night. Good night. Six o'clock, this is the SAFM Market Update with Money Web Hilton Tarrant with you on this Thursday evening. Tonight, results from the world's second largest brewer, SAB Miller, show astonishing growth for Castle Light in Africa and in South Africa, where it now commands 10% of this country's market. Chief Financial Officer Jamie Kim joins us at a quarter past six. Investec Stephen Kossoff on RAND weakness, performance of the specialist banks units in the UK, Australia, and here at home, and the deal to sell a stake in Investec Asset Management to staff in the business. Simon Brown of Just One Lap on what to do with your salary increase or other unexpected windfall in our My Money feature. And David Shapiro of Sassfin is with us to make sense of a rough day on the markets, JSE down two and a third of one percent today that and more to come first here's the news safm south africa's news and information leader president zuma speaks out on gupta landing in mtn and absa join forces to fight sim fraud good evening i'm greg host with the news at six o'clock on safm President Jacob Zuma has broken his silence on the Gupta family saga more than three weeks after the family's chartered plane landed at the Vatiklov Air Force Base in Pretoria. The plane touched down at the base without the necessary authorization and procedures being followed. Opposition parties slammed President Zuma in Parliament yesterday during a debate on the issue. They said the President's relationship with the Guptas was at the root of the saga. Presidential spokesperson Mak Maharaj the president did not speak to or authorize any government official to process or approve the landing of the private plane at Butterfloop, as alleged in some of the information put before the investigators. It is unfortunate that some officials and members of the public resort to that practice of using and abusing the names of members of cabinet in this manner to further their own ends. We call for vigilance and urge all our officials who are trusted with managing state institutions not to succumb to pressure from name droppers. They should immediately report to their superiors and to law enforcement agencies anyone who behaves in this manner. The Reserve Bank Governor Jill Marcus says there's an urgent need for government, labour and civil society to interact and address issues affecting the country's economy. She was speaking in Pretoria where she announced that the repo rate would remain unchanged at 5%. This means that the prime lending rate will remain steady at 8.5%. She cited concerns about the weaker rand in the decision by the Monetary Policy Committee. While the bank is prepared to play its part, many of these challenges are beyond the role, scope and effectiveness of monetary policy. While a depreciated exchange rate is part of the balance of payments adjustment mechanism, the competitive advantages thereof need to be realized through price and wage restraint. In the absence of such restraint, the outcome is simply higher inflation with the risk of an exchange rate inflation spiral. Given the current unsettled environment in the economy, the NPC assesses the risks to inflation to be on the upside, while many of the above factors contribute to a downside risk to growth. Telecommunications giant MTN has joined forces with ABSA Bank to combat SIM swap fraud. They've established a task team to curb this criminal activity. Last week, police, with the help of MTN's forensic services, arrested a suspect believed to be a key player in the recent spate of SIM swap fraud. A SIM swap allows mobile network operators to issue customers who've lost their phones with the new SIM cards but retain the same number. Horizoni Satoli reports. 
The special team has initiated strict authentication measures while carrying out the SIM swap. It will include a SIM swap delay until the legitimate customer has confirmed the request via SMS. A dual authorization process is also being investigated. The collaboration follows an agent meeting between MTN and APSA to protect their customers from any acts of fraud. Criminals would usually work with employees of mobile companies to make SIM swaps so that they could receive one-time pins that allows them to make payments online fraudulently. The Defence Minister Nosafiwe Mapisankakula has honoured members of the National Defence Force who showed exceptional heroism during the battle in the Central African Republic. Thirteen soldiers were killed and 27 others wounded following an attack by rebels earlier this year. The Minister was speaking in her budget speech in Parliament. She singled out female member of the Defence Force, Suzette Gates, who put her life at risk. When she and other contingent of civilians became aware of the imminent attack by rebels, they vacated their accommodation and were relocated to a safer place. She had to leave behind cash contingencies supporting the mission, amounting to millions of rands. At the height of the battle, she returned to the base to fetch the money at great risk to her life. She brought back into South Africa a total of 3 million rands in foreign currency. An eight-year-old Japanese climber has become the oldest person to conquer Mount Everest. The BBC's Jill McGivering. Mr Miura has been battling for some time to become the oldest person to conquer the world's highest peak. He almost took the title when he was 75, but the day before he reached the summit, a 76-year-old Nepalese man just beat him to the top. Now aged 80, he is again on top of the world and has seized the record. But even now, he may not hold the title for very long. The same Nepalese man whose record he's just broken is hard on his heels. He hopes to reach the summit in the next few days, at the age of 81, to reclaim the title. A look now at the top story. President Zuma has broken his silence on the Gupta family saga more than three weeks after the family's plane landed at the Vatiklov Air Force Base. And now a word from ESCOM. Electricity usage for this evening is expected to be extremely high because of the cold winter conditions. Households are urged to use electricity sparingly by switching off all non-essential appliances such as heaters, washing machines, dishwashers and geysers, especially during the peak time of 5pm to 9pm. As part of ESCOM's Let's Beat the Peak Together campaign, here's their tip for today. When you cook in the oven, always ensure that the oven door is kept closed until the food is done, Constantly opening and closing the oven door loses heat and energy is wasted in reheating the oven. Well, the next news updates at 7 o'clock. For SAFM, I'm Greg Hoes. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. Six and a half minutes after six o'clock in the market update. Hilton Tarrant with you on this Thursday evening. And uh, as Greg read the power bulletin there just after the news, we heard sighs from David Shapiro, sighs from <laughs> Google Etung, Fupi in studio. David, I don't think South Africans grasp how serious this is. Capacity tonight, capacity yeah, tonight yeah, is yeah. 33,874 megawatts. These are uh, official figures from ESCOM arrived mm-hmm. in my inbox about half an hour mm-hmm. ago. Demand for tonight is expected to be 33,782 megawatts. There's no margin. 92 megawatt margin at 0.4%. Now, the danger is that if it goes over that, the whole system shuts down, mm. you know, and it takes a long time to restart it again. So, 
Um, I don't know what it is, whether it's a lottery, whether you're going to have uh, power cuts, but uh, I would imagine that's on. I've had, I had twice this week. I've had two nights this week, three hours, you know, from 10 o'clock till half past one. So um, I hope that, that, that lets me off the hook, but I'm not sure. I just seem to be in a favoured favored region. <laughs> well, lots to get through this evening. First up, as always, Google to Fupi has your business news. All I can tell you, Hilton, is that my oven door will be closed. <laughs> well, according to the latest PPS Graduate Professionals Confidence Index released today, South Africa's graduate professionals felt more confident of the country's prospects in the first quarter of this year. The index has revealed that the overall confidence levels among the country's graduate professionals climbed to a 12-month high of approximately 60% within the first quarter, following a period of extended concern over the political climate, ongoing wildcat strikes and downgrades to the country's sovereign credit rating. Looking at the market now, the JCO share index is closed in negative territory, down by 2.3% today at 40,855 points. Looking at the rand, it's at 9.55 to the US dollar. 1441 to the pound and 1235 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,383 an ounce. A barrel of Brent crude oil at $101 and the platinum price at $1,452 an ounce. Almost nine minutes after six, David Shapiro yeah. chuckling. You, you know why I'm happy is that um, I'm just looking on the on the Bloomberg screen up here that uh, the Dow is actually in positive territory, and uh, it looks like the S and P is heading that way. And remember, we had uh, big falls last night, and we've had huge falls today in the markets. And the fact that that's reversing, it's reversing on some good um, and jobs data and also some very good housing data. So if we get a steadier Wall Street overnight, I'm sure it's going to stabilized nerves and hopefully we all recover some of the big losses that we saw today a rot on the JSD mm. today resources uh, a look at a stock like Anglo Anglo was down over 5.5 percent almost 6 percent on the day mm. uh, we saw selling across the board mm. a couple of these stocks that have had significant runs in, in recent days like Richmond down solidly today yeah well, you know there was on Chinese manufacturing numbers a Chinese manufacturing survey comes in at 49 point six, you know, below 50 is contracting. Now, there was a snap survey, as far as I know, which was just above 50. So it's not as though this was a major shock. You know, there'd been uh, evidence that uh, um, Chinese manufacturing was contracting. And uh, I think I thought that the market would be uh, attuned to it or almost discounted. But uh, the fact that it came in below 50 just really gave Marked an excuse to sell off. I think everybody, after the huge run that we've had, particularly um, in the in Japan, you know, Japan's up like 40% since the beginning of the year. So there's huge margins for people to take profits, and they just need a little bit of uh, news to give them that incentive. So we had a, a massive sell off right across the board, starting in in um, resources. Um, you know, copper price came down, oil price was down, most of the other metals were down. So I think Anglo's, Bulletin, Kumba, all had shocking days. Gold shares held up a bit. I think there was a bit of a kick up in gold. And then it spread to, to the other seg- segments as well. Financials down. Um, Able continuing. Mm-hmm. You know, had a bit of a reprieve yesterday. <laughs> recovered somewhat. But today the selling just uh, continued. The longest losing streak for the Rand since 1988 at 25 years. Mm. 11 consecutive daily declines. The good news is it doesn't look like it's going to be 12 consecutive daily yeah, declines. Yeah, it was. It, we, we were at 965 earlier today. In fact, even I think close to 967. And it pulled back um, a little bit. I'm not sure what kicked it back um, because listening to Jill Marcus, um, she also painted a rather bleak. 
picture of uh, a very realistic picture of where South Africa is, and I thought that would might. Um, you know, give people um, j- just a little bit more bad news, but maybe they responded to the fact that uh, she felt that it had run a little too far. To give you an idea of, of how the rand has fallen, just how the rand has fallen, if you look through the SAB Miller numbers, they mm. publish how currencies have moved. They obviously report in all sorts of things, from Chilean pesos to rands to pounds to dollars. A year ago, on the 31st of March, the rand was at 7.67 to the dollar. About six months ago, 8.31 to the dollar. Mm. And at the end of March, which is the end of their reporting period, 9.24 to the dollar. And it's now 9.60. Well, Mm. call it 9.60 in the next few months. No, there's been a massive depreciation. Um, I, you know, it's probably overshot. But uh, as things stand now, there's no real news that's going to kind of reverse it or, or really pull it back to, to below nine. I'm sure that we'll get some kind of bounce, but uh, it's, it's, it's a difficult market to read. Simply that it's going with the mining markets. It seems to be going. You know, it's not only the RAND. The RAND has been under pressure, but um, Australian dollar, Canadian dollar, all the commodity-producing countries, I think, have been taking a bit of shock. As money flows from emerging markets, or call it the commodity producing Uses, much more towards developed markets and we're talking about the dollar I think the dollar index um, I don't know what all time high what high it is but it's at a, a multi-month high or a multi-year high I think We'll hear from SAB Miller and Investec in a couple of minutes time Sohosan numbers today David? Okay I thought they were pretty good um, You've got to drill down into them. Um, it, it was very difficult to understand the outlook, but I thought that uh, you know generally 24% up in earnings, uh, increase, slight increase in dividend, and a lot of uh, restructuring taking place there. You know they're going to spend that 750 million mm-hmm. there, so not a bad result. It's it's whether they can continue. I think that's the question: whether they can continue to produce, you know, these kind of results. I'd be happy with 10 to 15. You know, if they can just plod along at 10 to 15, then it's not a bad stock. SAB Miller, ah, very good results. Very, very good results. You know, expect the pullback. Um, You know, after the run that we've had, I think we're going to go into maybe a few months of sideways tracking. But that's the way that the share has performed. You know, and and there again, I think they're a general every year 10 to 13, 15 percent increase in that. And if they can just keep it up, I think it's one of these kind of stocks that you can just put away. But but expect expect a period of, uh, you know, flatness in that share price. Email in from Sylvester Mkondwane asks, why is SAB Miller defensive? Because I think people drink beer and they so widely spread. Um, I think the other thing that's, that favors them is that with the rise of the middle class in the areas in which they produce or sell, um, you're going to get people turning towards, uh, you know, t- uh, towards beer. So you're just going to get a steady increase in the volumes. And even in Africa, where they're good is that they produce a beer for the pocket of the people. You know, they say, you know, many can't, wouldn't be able to afford an imported beer, so they try to use local um, content, you know, local uh, resources in order to produce the beer. And that's what they're producing in Africa. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. 
Well, the world's second largest brewer, SAB Miller, out with the results for the 2013 financial year today. Revenue up by 7% in constant currencies. Lager volumes up 3.3% if you exclude the impact of acquisitions, with adjusted earnings per share up 12% in pounds sterling. To put this business into perspective, worldwide, SAB Miller sold 129,739 bottles of beer Every minute during the year. Jamie Wilson, Chief Financial Officer of SAB Miller, joins us from London. Jamie, earnings and volumes in your Latin American and African operations surging in the year, uh, especially uh, or making a rather special contribution to, to earnings. Yes, that's correct. I mean, we've had a very strong run in both of those uh, territories, um, the whole of the African continent, including South Africa, as well as uh, in uh, Latin America. And to some extent, obviously, offset by slightly... Um, Slower uh, volume growth in, in Europe, but still volume growth and uh, a volume decline in North America, the more sort of developed markets. But yes, overall, a really strong uh, growth in volumes. The word innovation, Jamie, the word is used 16 times across the, the full year results announcement today. In Latin America specifically, 6% of your revenue in those markets uh, comes from innovations launched in the past three years. Is that something you're driving very strongly, not only in that business? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a feature of the of the beer market that you're always looking to uh, keep the uh, consumers engaged with the dialogue about uh, beer and a number of markets. We've been introducing different beer styles in Latin America, as you, as you refer to. We've taken the premium brand and we've launched uh, sort of different variants, so a Roja and a Negra variant of of that premium brand. But you've also seen it in America with our um, Tent and Blake portfolio where we've introduced uh, variants of Lining Kugels and we've introduced uh, uh, brands like uh, Red's Apple Ale in, into that market. So I think it's, uh, it's just part of uh, how we, we offer the consumer more choice. Here in South Africa, Castle Light, uh, the growth engine not only in, in this country but uh, across the continent as well. Yes, it's been growing very strongly. I mean, it's continued to perform very well in South Africa, and it's grown by over 40% across the rest of the continent. So it's a, a really strong performance uh, of that brand. In, in South Africa, in the market specifically, uh, 10% of, of the total market is now Castle Light. I would imagine that's, that's probably your, your second largest beer in this market. Uh, well, we, we, I mean, obviously, Castle itself is very large. Castle Light's large, and we've, we've also got strong performances from uh, uh, Carling Black Label and, and Hansa within it. But yes, I mean, Castle is, uh, Light is, is performing very strongly for us, and uh, it's a very good brand. In Australia, the flagship in the Foster's business, Victoria Bitter, you've turned that around. Uh, beer volumes growing for the first time in a decade. Yeah, that's been a, a great success from our point of view. I mean, when we arrived there, we knew that Victoria Bitter had had 10 years of, of decline in the market, and, and really we, we decided we had to go back to basics, take the brand back to its original recipe, its original style, and give the consumers back the brand that they loved. And uh, the really encouraging thing is that they responded very positively to that, and in the two quarters since then we, we've seen growth. So uh, it's, uh, it's uh, very uh, pleasing to see that we've actually managed to deliver the beer back to the consumers. Jamie, how are you reading input costs at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we've been up mid-single digits for the year just finished, and I think going forward we think it will be slightly lower than that, about low to mid-single digits, so a little bit of easing on some of the packaging uh, materials offset by still some challenges on the barley and malt side of the equation, but, but on, on balance a little bit less than, uh, than this year.
Craft Beer, you mentioned Tenth and Blake in the U.S. earlier. Uh, some listeners will be familiar with Blue Moon. Uh, now, that business has seen double-digit volume growth in a market which uh, has seen declining volumes. That's in the U.S. Do you think that perhaps in time you'll, you'll perhaps create craft beer businesses in other geographies? Um, well, we already have that to some extent. Uh, they're just um, not broken out the, the same way as Tenth and Blake is in the States. I mean, um, in Europe we've launched a number of sort of uh, ranges of styles similar to craft beer for, for example in Poland we have the Georgensia range um, and in uh, Czech Republic we've got the Master range and then if you look at Australia we do have a separate company called the Middle to Bay Company which actually runs uh, craft beer in Australia so I mean I think that is um, part of the beer market that is there to be, to be serviced uh, whether it needs its own separate entity or whether it's just part of the main uh, company I think depends on the market your outlook for 2014 steady as she goes? Pretty much, yes. I mean, I think we, we, we've said in our statement we expect our trading conditions to be fairly much as they are at the moment, and therefore that gives us the opportunity to continue to grow our brands, particularly in the African continent, uh, but also in Latin America. So, yes, we believe we will hopefully continue to grow the business in the same way that we did this year. Jamie Wilson, the Chief Financial Officer of SAB Miller. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Full year results from Specialist Bank and Asset Manager Investec out today. South Africa's fifth largest bank. Headline earnings per share up 19% in pound sterling. Adjusted earnings per share up 16.4%. Assets under management across the group up 14% with return on equity of 9.5%. Chief Executive Stephen Kossif joins us now. Stephen, equity markets are a remarkable run in the year. We had the FTSE up 13%, the JSE up 19%. Aussie All Odds and the S&P up in uh, low double digits. Uh, what about the jitters and the volatility in the past month or two? Your thoughts on those? Well, I suppose uh, you saw quite a strong rally over the last few weeks, uh, which was you know, broken last night through certain statements by Bernanke and then Chinese manufacturing index out uh, a bit negative. So it is, you know, it is volatile, but you know, we believe that um, developable markets are going to continue to improve, and this is just a pullback. But you know, who knows? Um, but that's what one really believes at this point in time. Stephen, across the year, uh, pronounced rand weakness uh, that obviously having an, an impact on the translation of your earnings from South Africa. Yeah, look, uh, you know, the rand has been particularly weak over the last um, couple of years, uh, and certainly this year. This past financial year, which includes part of last year's calendar year, um, you know, the weakness has continued. And uh, that's just a reflection of the environment at the moment because there are a lot of labor issues. There are a lot of issues with the mines, which we've seen since um, August last year. And until those are, are properly resolved and there's a proper accord between business, labor and government, you know, there is going to be pressure on the rent. Just looking across the, the different geographies in which you operate, South African business operating profit up strongly, 13% in RAND terms. The Australian business returning to profitability in the year and a, a solid performance out of the UK. Yeah, I, I think, you know, overall um, we, we were quite happy with the results based on the environment we were in. I think if you remember for a good part of the year there was a threat that Europe might collapse or break up. Mm. Um, that seems to be behind us. And uh, so, you know, we reasonably uh, we reasonably comfortable with where we are at the moment. So the issue now is, you know, to get our return on equity up. Uh, when interest rates are so low, it's very hard to get return on equity to the right kind of level in the banking business because you earn nothing on your free funds. 
or very low return on your free funds. And, um, you know, and cost of money was quite high for quite a, a long period where, when liquidity in the global system was still weak, but that is starting to improve and we've seen the cost of money come down. And we also seen impairments come down, which are still, you know, elevated, but at least they came down 22.8% and hopefully they'll come down by a decent percentage next year as well. So we're starting to move into a better cycle for a firm of our type. Just looking at that return on equity, 9.5%, better than the 7.8% achieved in 2012. Where would you be comfortable with, with that number? Well, our target is to get between 12 and 16. You know, when interest rates are normalized, probably we want to be closer to the 16. But based on current levels of interest rates, we need to get to the 12. And that will come from probably, you know, two, three, three areas. One is a drop-off in impairments. Two is a reduction in cost of money. And three is an improvement in activity levels. That drop in impairments, Stephen, uh, 1.12% of credit loss charge in 2012, 0.84 in, in 2013. What's a normalized level? For us as a broader group, about 0.6, 0.5 to 0.6. So we're still away, you know, we're still a little bit off that. Um, but, you know, we've seen our defaults come down quite a lot. In South Africa, our default, net defaults are below 2%, about 1.8 something percent. And, uh, Australia, a similar sort of number. UK still about just over 3 point something percent. But, uh, you know, that economy has been a lot weaker because it's right next to Europe and it's you know, it just hasn't been growing. But, uh, you know, that, you know, it will still take probably a year or two to normalize, but it is on its way to that sort of level. Stephen, in, in asset management, assets under management up 13% to 70 billion pounds, net inflows of 4.1 billion pounds, yeah. is a strong performer. Yeah, I think uh, that business has performed exceptionally well over the last five years. Uh, and uh, clearly it's now well positioned globally. It, uh, operates on all continents across the world and it gets flows from all continents across the world. So, and, uh, you know, that is built organically and uh, they're getting good leverage from their platform and uh, continue to see good flows. The deal for management uh, to buy 15% of the business, 480 million pounds, which is 2.6 billion rand in today's money. How's that progressing? Um, we will issue the circular. The shareholder vote will take place on the 9th of July. The circular should be issued today. We're just waiting for the um, listings authorities in the different markets to sign off. And uh, we need the shareholders to approve the transaction. That's a, a simple majority that is required, and that will take place on the 9th of July. So everything's uh, moving according to plan. Stephen Kossoff, the Chief Executive of Investec. Invest in a Capitec Bank fixed-term savings account, and you could earn up to 8.5% interest per year. Conditions apply. 26 minutes after 6 o'clock on the market update. This My Money feature is brought to you by Capitech. Now, for those South Africans who were fortunate enough to receive a salary increase, chances are some would have received it from April. May have been around about 5 or 6% in line with inflation. Others may have been more or less lucky. Earlier, I spoke with Simon Brown of Just One Lap and asked him what one should do with your salary increase or your bonus or any windfall for that matter. Uh, typically what we do, uh, to be perfectly honest, is we spend it. We feel a bit richer, uh, we go and splash a bit, and, and in no time at all we just, you know, we're back exactly where we started. I think the obvious answer, which most people would say, well, 
pay off your debt? And that's a perfectly good answer, and, and, and I think you know, it's probably the right answer. But I don't think it really takes into account the fact that we're human beings, that, that we do want to go and buy a few bit of extra things. We do want to feel a bit richer. And let's be honest, inflation is also catching up with us, uh, so we, we, we need to accommodate for that. So I usually say to folks, you know, spend some of it, but at, at least a portion, perhaps even as much as half or even more. Take that extra cash that you've got and put some of it towards debt, put some of it towards saving, and then still use some of it to spend. So you, in a sense, you get a, better, a best of all worlds. You, you're going to pay down some debt or save some money, and if you can do both, that's even better. Even if you're only saving 300 rand a month via a debit order into an ETF or a collective investment scheme, you're still saving. And then the flip part, take that little bit and, 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 and yeah, spend it a bit. We, that's what we want to do. That's what we're working for. That's what we're out and about. So rather than just the straight debt thing, I say, you know, let's take this sort of more holistic point of view and, and do a bit of both with it. I guess the point being that uh, if you've managed to, to kind of cut back your expenditure to a point where you can manage every month despite uh, inflation, um, especially in, in food running running significantly higher than, than CPI, if you've got to the point where you can afford things month on month with this extra money, it's pointless to just squander that and waste it all. It absolutely is. And if you've got debt and you start paying off debt, and in some cases that debt might seem like an absolute mountain for individuals, but you start ticking it away that you don't increase it by any significant amounts, you don't rush out and splash out on more debt and whatever that case may be, there will come a time ultimately when that debt is gone. Then you're in a really wonderful position because now when you get salary increases, well, you save some, you spend some, um, you're in a much stronger position. As you said, for that person who's already in a relatively strong position, whereby they're surviving month to month, they're making the ends meet, they're simply not spending significantly more or any more than they're receiving every month, get rid of some of that debt and put some of it into your lifestyle. Maybe that's an extra dinner out, maybe only once a month, but still it's a dinner out once a month. But at the same time, when you're having that dinner out in the back of your mind, you're saying, you know what, I'm also managing my debt, I'm also managing my, my savings. So, I mean, in terms of that debt, um, if, if someone is sitting with, with a number of different loans and, 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 a, and a variety of debts, which should they focus on first? Always the most expensive, uh, and, and let's go the other way. Your cheapest debt is your home loan. So assuming you've got a home loan, that's your long term, it's your cheap debt. Over the life of the home loan, it's going to be expensive. But in, in, in the short term, it is typically your cheapest. It's going to be around about the prime. I say don't stress your home loan just yet. Your vehicle finance, often it's a lock-in, and if you try and pay early, there might be penalties. I say to folks, attack your overdraft, attack your credit card. As you get your overdraft moving lower and lower, say you've got 10,000 when it's down to eight, phone your bank and say to them, can you stop that overdraft and move it down? So you actually prevent yourself from reusing it with your credit card. Get that credit card paid off, take the credit card, leave it in your in, 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 at home so when you're out there and about on a Saturday and you see something you love, you simply can't do it. The credit card's typically going to be a high teens, maybe even a low 20% interest rate. So markedly more expensive than your than your home loan. Simon Brown there of Just One Lap, and this My Money feature was brought to you by Capitec. Invest in a Capitec Bank fixed-term savings account, and you could earn up to 8.5% interest per year. Choose between single or multiple deposits. Terms range from 6 to 60 months. Rates are fixed, and you'll never earn less than 5.35%. Visit www.capitecbank.co.za for more info, or visit your nearest branch. Conditions apply. Capitec Bank. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication.
The market update returns at 6 o'clock tomorrow at 6.30 now and time for Game Plan. Game Plan with Quena Morbelli. Game plan on SAFM South Africa's news and information leader. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the show. I'm your host, Gwena Marara Mwabela. Today we'll be talking to two future coaches, if we can put it that way. One, his name is Lebohang Tomazani, joining us in the studio. He has just completed uh, his uh, UEFA A license. And of course, uh, former Banyana Banyana captain, Simpio Tlutlu, who has also just completed her UEFA B license. Let's, uh, of course, uh, start uh, with Lebohang, who joins us uh, in studio. Thank you so much, uh, Marara, and uh, good evening to the listeners as well. You, you're carrying a heavy nickname, Geeks. <laughs> yeah, I think it's heavy, actually. I didn't realize <laughs> when it started, but yeah, now I realize that it's actually a serious name in football. And, and w- w- when you look at that, I mean, if one had to ask, uh, coaching, um, you know, a lot of people expect former professionals to go into coaching. A lot of former professionals that I speak to on this show, they say, no, no, you know, once I retire, um, I wanted to go into coaching, I want to go into coaching. How, how, how did you get into coaching? Uh, you okay, uh, uh, just briefly, how I got interested in, the, in coaching is because I would have actually loved to play at the highest level, but uh, I think due to this and that, as you know, there are many challenges. Sometimes uh, things just don't go your way, and I just didn't want to be away from the game. So I thought, what other way to get uh, involved? Uh, it's either through administration or through coaching itself. And yeah, the coaching opportunities came, and yeah, I'm actually pursuing that. Have you ever been involved? in any form of football apart from playing with me on a Sunday league or, or a media <laughs>